What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. It's nice to uh, be back with you. Got a whole bunch of news stories to cover. We're getting into good rhythms of being home. And uh, I just had an epiphany about how retarded I am, which is nice. It's nice when uh, the universe gives you a little bit of a dose of reality because I'm standing here. You guys don't see the setup. I mean, you see it from your end where you're like, holy shit, look how handsome Rob is. Look how good everything sounds. Look at how professional of an operation this is. Look at how there's no creases in his background. Look at how this man has sponsors. Look at how he has high quality audio and look at how he's right on everything. I know you sit at home and you can't believe how impressive of an operation this is. You can't believe the, the track record of correctness and everything else about this program and its professional operation. But anyways, I'm sitting on my end and I have like all sorts of raised contraptions in courts. This is, I'm walking around in a fire hazard every single episode. On your end, you see pretty footage. On my end, I'll post a picture. For everyone listening at home, I'll post a little picture of what it looks like on my end. For I, I, I Firstly, I, I got I got a couch that's digging into the back of my legs because I keep trying to back away because I'm trying to move. And then I got all these contraptions that are raised off the table. And then I realize every time I go to do the other show, I'm trying to like lower. I'm, I just need a standing desk. It just came to me like an epiphany that I do this show standing up so I could just raise the desk and do the show. And then instead of having to unscrew everything from my table for when I do part of the problem, I could just be lowering the desk. Very simple. Maybe this could have been a pitch for uh, for a standing desk sponsor, standing desk people. You know what's funny is that I actually recently got a standing desk, and I've never done this ever. Oh, my God. To, to think about the Jew sales powers that I have that I never use on people, but I actually have a free standing desk. It wasn't even that expensive. Customer service just pissed me off so much. I was like, come I'm putting it outside. You can come have this back. But it was their fault. They sent me They sent me the wrong directions. I don't know if I already talked about this on the show. I dedicated the mental time that I was going to sit down and build this thing, and then they sent instructions that clearly didn't line up with the parts. And then four times I come back to this thing, it was two. Just in case I already told this story behind, it was only two. It was two times that I came back. I'm looking, and it's simple. It should be like Legos. And you're like, this doesn't match up with this. This doesn't match up with that. And then I finally send them an email. They're not helpful. They're not helpful. They're not helpful. I was like, all right, I'm putting this thing out side and then they're like you can just keep it and now I might order a second one I wonder if they would then look and see that I ordered a second one and then end up charging me for the first one because they're like look you didn't end up using it you kind of did like our desk and then I'd almost go you know what I respect you guys and I respect what you did there uh we just got another strike you know if the podcasting was bowling I'd be the 2022 corona champion except for some of the people that have actually gotten their stuff pulled like the tower power gang rapey hour those guys, you know, they, they don't even, they're not even on YouTube anymore. Uh, my suggestion to everybody who listens to the show is uh, Odyssey. I think Odyssey is probably the best platform, uh, it, except now that I think about it, I might have to reach out to those people, but they're good people. They actually get back to me. Unlike these other tech platforms where, you know, the way YouTube handles these strikes, they send you a little email and they go, hey, listen, um, we think you violated our Corona policy. Here's all the rules and regulations of our Corona policy, which is essentially you're not allowed to say anything. You're not allowed to ask anything. You have to be an expert on the who. You have to be an expert on everything that they do. And I'm not going to start bashing the who. I'm not going to start bashing the credibility of the who uh, because obviously that might bring another strike to my other channel. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even questioning the credibility of the who. What I'm questioning is how can anyone have an expertise on everything that the who has said that they wouldn't even have clarifying questions 
about what is going on in regard to COVID. And then here's what, what YouTube does, which is, I, I guess it's clever of them. They send you a notice. They go, hey, li- we think what you did was in violation of our policy. If you'd like to... Uh, if you'd like to counter this strike, I don't think that's the, the word that they use, but they I guess they, they give you the option of sending them a little message of why you think what they did might have been an error. And so you know what I did? I said, you've linked to me an entire episode. You've linked to me 45 minutes. Can you at least point out, if you're telling me that you've carefully reviewed the materials, can you point out to me what specifically was in violation of your policy? Uh, This is a satire show. Maybe I was saying something in satire that the algorithm read as being a statement of fact. I don't know. I don't know what I got to strike for. That was what I was trying to tell them. I was like, how can I better educate myself for how I can be a better member of the YouTube community if I don't have a full understanding of what I've done that was against your policy? Can you please just inform me of what violated your policy and then they just go after careful consideration we have, uh, uh, we, uh, we, we say that you violated our policy and I'm just like, well, if you gave a careful consideration, can't you at least tell me what violated your policy? But no, they don't. So anyways, listen, we all know tech censorship is real. Uh, and sadly, I mean, it's annoying because you try and build up your content on the platform. You start getting followers and then suddenly you can't post here for three weeks. And then people are like, hey, what happened to you? You're disorganized with your content. I'm not that disorganized. We're doing the work. We're building studios with contraptions all over the desk. We're bringing you the best news coverage that's out there. No one does what I do. And uh, what can I say? Go to Odyssey, uh, subscribe to the actual podcast. And, uh, you know, at some point, at some point, I'll make it easier for you guys. At some point, we'll be daily and uh, things will be going right up to my website. So you'll always know where to find it. But between now and then, I'm just letting you know that there will be materials that go to some platforms that aren't going to others, and I will do my best to keep you informed of uh, where you guys can find the content, because, you know, otherwise, I'm just a guy who's yelling at my living room. If you guys don't take the opportunity to listen to what I'm saying, then I'm really just a crazy person. You know, then there's there's really no redeeming value to what I'm doing in any capacity uh, whatsoever. All right, that was a, a longer-winded intro than uh, than I was trying to go for. Let's take a couple comments. We could start uh, getting into a couple uh, comment. You know the the topics here. We got the butt just coming in with the uh, the beehole. Um, the butt, stop talking. Present your lower reel, hurl. The butts really come in with one thing in mind: that if every day he asked to see the Bernie butthole. He might get to see it. And you know what? I admire the persistence. I, I hope that you stick to this cause. St. Michael, uh, and this is why you we have more than one uh, YouTube channel. That is, uh, well, we're not going to claim that to be an accurate comment. Uh, but please like and subscribe. I know Robbie personally and his model is big. There you go. Uh, Mary and Brandon, YouTube works like the IRS. We could tell you what you owe us, but you have to figure it out or we punish you. All right, let's get into some topics. First of the day is uh, for anyone out there that still just loves the government. They look at everything the government's doing and they're like, I love this organization. They've got everything under control. Uh, Well, one of the new ventures of the United States government is um, Space Force. You know, it's not enough that we got a military. It's not enough that we got nuclear warheads. The next terrain, the next thing, the next fight, it's going to be up in space. And so we're going to have to have a Space Force so that we're ready for these space fights. When they start coming, we're going to have to have satellites that attack other people's satellites. We're going to have to have lasers. We're going to have to have people 
on jetpacks. Forget wars on Earth. We're going to get up there and we're going to start fighting up in space. It's not enough to be concerned about borders between Ukraine and, Ukraine and Russia. If once we get up to space, I mean, there's endless amounts of things that we can fight about. Think about the infiniteness of space and the fact that we can all go up there and, and fight with each other. We, we, we don't just need to fight with each other on Earth. There's a vast amount of endless things that people can go put flags on, pretend it's theirs, and then fight with each other over it. And so for those who are concerned with the safety of space, about having a force that can get up there and dominate these other nations, here's our new prideful song to showcase how good our space force is. Let's give it a listen. think family guy did this joke uh but it's like the parody of a bad musical of uh i'm gonna make myself some breakfast here i am breakfast da, 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 da. it's like those bad fucking broadway musicals i feel like my parents took me to a couple times as a kid because they were hoping i'd become gay you know most of your parents they try and uh make you not not my parents it was more my grandma my grandma she had a bunch of money and she liked wasting it on really fancy broadway tickets and then i'd have to sit in the front row just thinking in the back of my head, this fucking sucks. Why the fuck are we doing this? But anyways, and then you grow up and then you realize that you were right. That's what's nice sometimes about uh, becoming an adult is that you get to realize that your grandma was making you do gay shit. But, you know, she was a nice lady and she did plenty of cool stuff. And then she gave me money when I was in high school so that I could buy drugs and go to concerts. So, you know, a blessed memory. I guess it was a fair trade off for having to sit through some dumb fucking Broadway things as a little kid that was super boring. But... If this is their music, if this is the best they can come up with as the anthem to pretend like they're doing good work and getting out there, you know, doesn't it like if you're if you're a fan of government, doesn't that one just song say it all? That's the best that they can do. Think about all the movie scores, like when you watch a movie and how unbelievably incredible the movie score is or sometimes even in movies like they do genre pieces about like bands. Here's a good example. You guys remember uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? And uh, the song in Oh Brother, We're Out There, which I think was written just for the movie. How incredible is that? How incredible is the Hollywood system that they can come up with a song that sounds like it was from that period of time in that style and have it be an instant hit where all of us are like, hey, that's a catchy tune. Or remember there was that movie, uh, I think Tom Hanks was in the movie. They put drummer uh, sunglasses on the drummer. It was like a movie about becoming a hit band, and they had some songs, some hit song in that movie that sounded like it was exactly a Beatles tune. Be better if I could actually remember the name of the movie. That's what Hollywood can pull off. You know, they, if they want a song, they can get you a hit song in an instant. No problem. They can fart out another pop star like it's nothing. Find some fancy kid, make him the next Britney Spears. I mean, these fucking Disney people, they can walk them around a mall. They hire world-class pedophiles that can spot a kid and go, I know that you're going to be a star. That's a cute kid, and that's going to be a star. They can do it like it's nothing. But you put this into the hands of government, and you're telling me we can't get some cool fucking sounding song for our Space Force? All right, I got some real news topics. Let's get into it. What do we got today? So there's a lot going on. 
You know, some days there's nothing going on. There's all sorts of things going on. All right. Are Hispanic voters turning their back on Democrats? Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about Democrats that keep trying to bring as many people into this country as possible. That way down the line, they're all going to vote for Democrats, except it's not working. It's becoming a flawed system. They're looking at the voting demographics and they're finding out that all the Hispanic voters, they don't want to vote for Democrats. You know why? Because these people were sneaking into the country for jobs. And now there's no fucking jobs here. The Democrats, they turn their back on the people where they're like, hey, you can come in here and we'll, we'll have socialized benefits for you. But that only works if you let them leave their house and actually go work. If you do this whole Corona thing and everyone gets locked in their house all the time and then you got this inflation and people are working here and they're trying to send money and then the, the money's not even all that good, then suddenly they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Also, it seems like the people, they get in here and then they're like, is there someone else that will keep other people out? <laughs> like they don't seem to, they seem to come in and then instead of like holding the fence open for the next person, they're more like, nope, 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 nope. Now I'm in. Uh, all right. Next topic is we got the Jews behind the uh, DeSantis lawsuit. You know, they're, uh, you got some Jew lawyers out there. They're very upset that the uh, people that went to Martha's Vineyard um, had to take a transfer flight. It's not it's not right. You know, it, to have to get off a plane and then back on a plane. Uh, and then, of course, they're going to do an investigation against the state funds that were used. And of course, the investigation to investigate the usage of state funds. What do you think is going to be used for that state funds? State fights always like the, the what happened to us and the wasting of our money. And then look at how much money is used to recoup or shame other people for using state funds. All right. Here's what's going to end up happening with this DeSantis thing. There were some scumbag uh, salespeople that were out there recruiting people to be a part of this publicity stunt. I will fully admit it. I know sales tactics. And what those guys did, it was pretty scummy. They handed these people documents that exist in Massachusetts. Massachusetts has, I guess, a document for the resources that are available to refugees. And so it seems like they went to Texas. They went to an area with, uh, you know, a bunch of people that had come in from Venezuela. Uh, they offer them some free McDonald's if they'll have a conversation. So they open up some dialogue. They offer them some free stuff. And then they paint a picture uh, that they will have better opportunities if they go to this other area. If they agree to go to these other areas, they'll have better opportunities. Now, all of that, that's not a promise. That's a sales pitch. The sales pitch is these other areas are sanctuary cities. They're saying that they've got resources for you. We can bring you to these areas. And then what they do, which really doubles down on the misrepre misrepresentation, and this is according to my understanding, is they go in here just to showcase to you how much friendlier these areas are to people in your situation. Look at the literature that they have for refugees. Now I can understand why if I'm being handed that literature, I go, oh my God, they're going to have jobs for me. I'm going to have to be able to declare asylum. Look at the laws this area. But that was for refugees of which these people uh, are not eligible for those statuses. So was it represented to them that they might, well, yes, or the argument could be, very technically clear, is that we don't even have this for refugees. So it's just showcasing that these areas are a little bit more willing uh, to be accepting of your situation. So in other words, they were painting an accurate picture. I'm sure DeSantis was not involved in the actual sales process here. And then I bet these people have benefited from actually making the move. So I think uh, proving any sort of criminality or that these people were kidnapped is going to be uh, very difficult. Uh, next is there's a lot of chatter about Biden's vacation days. People are very upset. They go, listen, Biden, you're telling us you don't have enough time to go down to the border, but you've taken like 300 vacation days. 
And that doesn't even include your nap time. If we start adding the nap time, I mean, what do you do? You work two hours a day, maybe, while you're reading a teleprompter, you start totaling all that up. And what does Biden work? 10 actual days this entire year? Imagine if your job was uh, you got to figure out how to put your pants on, uh, where to stand on a stage, which I, I get it. It takes time. When you got dementia, you've got to sit down. What is playing in the background right now? That sounds like the BPD podcast. What is that playing off of? That's fucking weird. Sorry, everybody. Hey, in terms of things that could be playing off my phone, someone just hacked my phone? Hold on, everybody. I don't even know how that's playing. Hey, man, at least that wasn't the gay porn I'm usually watching. I mean, in terms of things that could just randomly start playing off your phone in the middle of uh, trying to broadcast, that could have been a way much situation. All right, what the fuck was I trying to talk about? Oh, yeah, Biden's vacation days. So everyone's very upset about Biden's vacation days. Uh, It is incredible to me because every politician, uh, I mean, every president, they take a lot of vacation. And if there's one thing I've learned from the jobs that I work is that sometimes... The job is pretending like you're working. Sometimes that's all you have to do. I once worked, I once had an internship uh, at a uh, like a financial office, and it had just opened up. And since it had just opened up, there was no work to do. They didn't have any clients yet. They were just like gearing up. It was actually a fancy ritzy hedge fund, and so some big guns got together. They spent a lot of money for a big office, and this was like the first couple months. They didn't have any clients. It was basically an empty office, and like they're doing minimal trading because uh, they don't have that. I mean, for them, it was probably minimal trading because uh, they hadn't brought in like the big money yet. And I was just lucky, college kid. I don't know how I ended up there. Probably dad friend from synagogue type deal, something like that. You know, all those Jew connections that I ended up not using and now broadcast from my living room. Uh, so anyways, I'm there and there's one guy that because he was like the in-house legal counsel and there's no reason for this legal counsel at this juncture in time because it's basically an empty hedge fund with nothing really going on. And so this guy, he kind of stopped showing up. He would show up at like 12 in the afternoon. He'd only hang out for a little bit and he'd bounce. And you know what happens when you don't show up to your job? You're letting them know that they don't have work for you. You kind of let them know, hey, you don't need a full-time person here. Because there were other people that had no work, but they showed up every day. They showed up early. They sat at their desk and they pretended like they were working. And then they didn't get fired. Because then people think, oh, it's a good thing I have this guy here. What does he do? I don't know, but he's showing up every morning a half hour early. He's leaving a half hour late. He must be getting some good work done for us. Uh, so I've worked jobs and, you know, sometimes like the responsibilities that I've had at these jobs aren't even that important, but I feel guilty. People go, Hey, you want to go out this weekend? And I'll be like, nah, I got this thing and I haven't got it done. And I've gotten better at this. That's bad time management. I used to punish myself a whole lot where I'd be like, I'm not leaving the house till I get this thing done. And then it's a month later. And you're like, man, I haven't done anything with an entire month of life. I've, I've wasted a lot of my life that way. But I would think if you're the president of the United States of America, you got problems like inflation, you got them problems like borders, you got them problems like Russia. And I, once again, Biden is not the only person to do this. I mean, it's every president. It's incredible the amount of vacation that these guys take. It's incredible how much golf Trump took. I would just think for the four to eight years that you were in office, you would pretend like you were doing more work. 
I mean, you go out there, you campaign, you can you say how important the job is that you're the only person who's willing to do it, that you're dedicated to it, and then you spend most of the year taking vacation. And then the actual work that you're doing, how much of it, like these work days, the things that count at work days. So you fly to England, you shake hands with the queen, you have dinner. Is that considered a work day? Is that, that, that I mean, if that's a work day, because most of us would consider that the greatest vacation of our entire life. If you got to fly first class, go to England and then go, you know, have fancy ritzy dinners. Or if you got to go to Saudi Arabia, like those are considered the work days. So if those are considered the work days, I mean, why wouldn't you just hang out in the White House? Don't they have bowling in the basement? You know what I would do? I would never take a vacation day and I would just spend more time smoking weed in the basement, bowling. I'd even get work done while I was doing that. You know, I invite Putin over. I could end this war in 10 minutes. Be like, dude, come over. Yeah, I'm not a good bowler either, but you know, Nixon built this thing. And so uh, let's hang out. Let's have some beers. Let's let's bowl. I would just invite people all over the way. That's it. I would dress like a bowler. A big, big I'd be, I would just celebrate Big Lebowski in the basement. I would every single day of my life. You get white Russians going. In my case, it would be uh, just uh, Kahlua and uh, and vodka. Uh, you know, no, no, I wouldn't be going with the non-dairy creamer. It's too much. The, the 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 beverage is delicious, even without the coffee creamer. You don't need the coffee creamer. Uh, maybe I'd even hire Jeff Daniels to come play the character. And then you hang out in the basement all day. You're sending out those good vibes of like, listen, the whole world's relying on us, but we don't even give a shit because as long as we can get along, everything will be fine. And then you end up with free trade in all the countries. Big Lebowski for uh, for for head of government because, you know, they worked uh, about just as hard. Uh, you got these referendums going on in Ukraine. Uh, it's basically a competition for who can... Uh, um, it's it, basically at this point, world government, it's voting the play where you get together and, you know, well, like, I mean, how legitimate is the current government? We unsat the last guy and then we got our people in and now, uh, Putin's going to unseat them. It's, it's voting the play. You know, you show up, you cast a ballot and then you pretend like you actually picked the person. Uh, and we got in America, they're trying to, they're trying to resell the war as if we're winning and that Putin's had enough. And it sounds to me. Like uh, the Ukrainians, they did. They they had some sneaky offensive thing there. They took back some territories, but now Putin. Uh, and by the way, you know, usually I'm uninformed. Last night I actually got Scott Horton on the phone. I might not relay this information in the most accurate of fashion. So let's uh, let's not mention Scott's name because I was I was it was I was after twelve. I had had a couple of beverages, but we were shooting the shit. It's uh it's always fun to have him on the phone. Uh, and I was asking him some of, uh, some of my Ukraine questions because, you know, I keep seeing all the chatter of the referendums, but basically Putin's moving forward with the areas that he conquered and now they're going to vote. And then he's going to pretend like they're legitimately Russia. You think he's handing those territories back or you think there's now a new red line of what he's willing to fight nuclear war over? Is he, is Putin really losing this war or is he starting to walk away with some territories and moving forward with the idea of, Hey, you guys don't want to sit down and negotiate. Well, these are mine now. And then that red line is going to keep moving and the siege shall continue. All right. We are going to play because I do have a whole bunch of videos that I've collected from nonsense clips of various things that have happened, uh, over the last couple days. And so we are going to watch some videos of, uh, Donald Trump. And this case just got so much more confusing. So first is, let's get into the AG New York City thing, because three years, uh, they're trying to find Donald Trump uh, and his criminality. Do I think that Donald Trump is a good, honest, immortal guy? Not at all. Do I think that his business has been created 
Uh, like, is he like an engineer type person that's invented some new product that humanity has never had? Or even like a Jeff Bezos, where he figures out how to get something to your door at a way, a pace and a cost that nobody else could. Has he innovated something so incredible? Is this guy so good at bringing people together? Is he a Henry Ford where he can create, uh, figure out how to get cars out? You know, uh, in uh, in a speedy fashion, he can create the assembly line. I don't think Donald Trump's any of those things. I think he knows how to sell. I think he knows how to finance. And I probably has fucked a lot of people over. I've heard stories about the construction workers that he's just left with bills unpaid. And he's been more than content to walk out of things with bankruptcy. So, I mean, I, I guess God bless. He, You know, sometimes it's a skill in life that you're willing to be a total evil shithead. There's something to that. Most of us, we don't want to be totally evil shitheads. We don't want to go to sleep at night going, wow, I really fucked over a lot of people. And so I guess if you have the willingness to do that, that's a rare skill set that most people don't have. And it's an evil recipe for success. But you might be able to find some success with it because you're coming to the market was something that a lot of people don't have. You actually have a skill that people don't have. And so it's incredible that if you're going to bring a lawsuit against Donald Trump for fraudulent business practices, you've got what would appear to be unlimited budget to bust this guy. Three years you're going after him with the passion that the suit that they're bringing against him is the best that they can come up with. It doesn't even make sense. It just sounds to me like he was engaging in good business. What's the good business? You want a loan. You pretend like your assets are worth as much as possible. That way, I guess there's more collateral there or there's more reason for the bank to give you more money because you estimate that the project that you're there, you're the, the buildings you're going to build are going to be worth this. You give them the biggest possible fucking number. Then when it comes to pay taxes, you pretend like those properties are worth as little as possible. So you have to you pay as little taxes on that. Now, when you're getting a loan from a giant bank, they've got the resources to go check on your number. It's their risk. They're handing you the money. They're, these are, believe me, Donald Trump was in crowdfunding off of GoFundMe where he was claiming that a building was worth blank amount of money. And then the entire market said, okay, here's all that money, Donald Trump. And then the thing went bankrupt and it never was worth that much. And he just walked away with everyone's money in some scheme. These weren't like some market funded real estate fund things where he keeps raising funds, uh, or at least as far as I know, he wasn't doing the Grant Cardone thing of, hey, you can invest in real estate through me. He's not doing that. He's going to big banks and he's getting some really big money. And I bet some people gave him loans that they shouldn't have because they felt good about the celebrity status of, oh, look, I'm giving this money to Donald Trump. Or maybe they got, maybe they so bought into the Donald Trump thing of doing business with him. They didn't do the homework that they were supposed to do. But guess what? These are some really, really big banks with some big government backing with a lot of money and all the resources in the world to go send out their own teams and come up with a different number to assess the risk of what they want to, what they want to pay them. This is the best you can come up with for the fraudulent business practices of Donald Trump. You start making him look like he's actually a pretty good guy if this is the best that you can come up with. And on the same note, if I put on my taxes the United States government that I think a building's worth this, they can also send out estimators. I mean, there's big money in the IRS. What did they just hire? 80,000 new people? You telling me they can't send over and spend? I'm sure that this happens all the time. I'm sure if you go talk to anyone who works in real estate, they probably all do this all the time because it would just make sense. You want a loan? You have one number of what the max value of the property might be so you can get the biggest prop pro possible loan. 
you're looking to pay your taxes, you go with the lowest possible number you can because you want to pay the least amount of taxes. Is there even a law that the two numbers, like maybe a law exists that I'm unaware of that you get to have one building number for your estimates and that you got to use that consistently everywhere. I would think that it would be the obligation of the counterparties uh, to fight your numbers if they if if they so choose to do so uh so the ag thing in new york city strikes me like it's total bullshit that's uh that's my takeaway at this juncture of time now when it comes to the special master oh my god the loops and turns of this one are really incredible and uh we're, we're gonna break it all down so that, that this might be a little bit of a repetitive introduction but oh my god are there some fascinating ins and outs of this case so i think when Trump appointed that special master, oh, he gone fucked up because the special master basically went back to the Trump team and said, listen, there's a lot of classified documents here. If you declassify these documents, I need the evidence that you actually declassified the documents. And I'm going to guess that Trump didn't actually declassify the things. Why? It's just that's kind of his stupidity. That's kind of just him. It's like... um the lazy kid where you just kind of push things to the last minute until you get in trouble type thing where it's like, yes, if he was smart enough, he would have declassified things, but instead he just thought, well, I've got the power to declassify it. So I'm just going to like assume that that means that it is declassified. It's kind of like the way you have the power to pardon people until you leave the presidency and then you can't pardon someone. So like, but in your mind, you just kind of envision, well, like I could part. Well, you didn't like you, That was your one opportunity to pardon the person. You didn't pardon him. Now you're not president. You can't pardon them anymore. Like that was your opportunity to do so. The power, like you, you gave up, you know what I mean? It's almost like, uh, if, uh, then, uh, I, I don't have a good example. I mean, I do have a good example, but I'm embarrassed of the example. So I'm not going to state the example. We're just going to move on. We're just going to take a moment and we're going to reset and we're going to pretend like I didn't walk myself into a weird little hole right there. You ready? We're going to climb out of this hole in three, two, one. <laughs> All right. So Trump is claiming, hey, that stuff's just declassified because I'm Trump and I just thought it to be declassified. And we're actually going to roll the tape because uh, I was thinking when this first came out, oh, Trump's in trouble because he didn't declassify that. Uh, and so the special master has basically said, you can't have it both ways. I need the proof that this is declassified or I'm going to be handing this back over to the Justice Department. Now, I would have thought that this would be a huge win for the Justice Department because then they get back all these materials and uh, even the special master that Trump appointed is now ruling against Trump and saying that if it's not, if there's no evidence of things being declassified, it's considered classified. And then these are classified materials that you improperly had at your house. And this belongs to the Justice Department. Now, if you remember, I read it a couple days ago. The judge who cited that there should be a special master basically said the prosecutor's here to get Donald Trump in store in trouble. He needs to review the materials to make note of whether or not they actually are classified materials. And we can't just trust the special. We can't just trust the prosecutor. We don't just trust what the prosecutor is saying. And now here's the twist and turn, because that person was overruled by a new judge who stepped in and said, hey, we got to trust those prosecutors, which would negate the special master essentially ruling in the favor of the Justice Department and making Trump look like an asshole for not actually having unclassified the documents. It's like the Justice Department, to my eye, was actually about to get a huge win, and then a new judge ruled that the special master is not allowed to review the materials. And this is 
based off of my understanding. This is breaking news right here. All right, two more things, and then uh, we're going to start playing some of these clips. Uh, you got the United Nations, which uh, seems to be united in starving everyone. Every clip I'm watching of the United Nations things, it's them really selling, hey, everyone, we have to band together. Global warming is real. And if we don't get on top of this global warming situation immediately, the entire world is going to fade away. And so it doesn't matter. We have to do everything we can to limit carbon, to limit, uh, uh, you know, basically the usage of fossil fuels. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of conversation about what that's going to actually do to poor people or what the food supply situation is looking like for next year. And then this last uh, quick, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this guy, Fat Leonard. He's out there. He's supplying whores to the uh, to to these uh, military people, to the Navy, in order to procure some very lucrative government port access contracts. And the guy, fucking cool, he manages to flee his California home. They don't know where the hell he is. And now he just turned up in Venezuela. Now, what's interesting about a guy being in Venezuela, trying to make his way to Russia, is... Uh, you would think you could get away with that. You'd think that these were countries that wanted to make America look bad, and so they weren't going to help you out and bust this guy at the airport, which is why I'm just showcasing you end up on the wrong side of the law here, and there's uh, there ain't no place you can go. How did uh, how did Assange pull it off? How did that guy end up in, uh, in Russia? All right, so let's start uh, breaking some of these down. Let's start with the Donald Trump special master. But before we do, let's take a... Uh, Let's take a couple comments. We got Forrest Mommy coming in uh, with ghosts. Uh, is that a boo? Are you booing me? I don't think you're booing me. Sonia Leaning, hooray, finally caught a live stream. Someone up there likes me. There you go. That's the enthusiasm we look for. We'll take one more. Um, Marion Brandon, uh, we're all angels and devils sitting on Rob's shoulder. Fair enough. Okay, so here we go. This is from Week Magazine. Special master tells Trump lawyer to provide documents declassified. Judge Raymond Deary, the special master assigned to review the documents FBI uh, agencies from President uh, Donald Trump's home, told Trump's lawyer in a hearing Tuesday that they would have to provide proof of Trump's assertion he declassified the material before he left office. Deary said if the government provides evidence the documents are classified and Trump's team doesn't support its claim they're declassified, as far as I'm concerned, that's the end of it. Trump's lawyer, Jim Trustee, said the former president's team couldn't provide that information now because that could weaken their defense in any possible criminal case. I hear that. I'm like, eh, that's some lawyering. The same way the Justice Department's saying we need this stuff immediately. Otherwise, it's going to risk our investigation and national security. And I go, all right, that's bullshit. This is also bullshit. Sounds to me like Donald Trump never actually declassified these documents. Now, should Donald Trump be taken down over uh, the nature of these these documents and what exactly is the importance of them and whether or not being declassified? I don't think that he should be nullified for running from for government on account of housing declassified documents. Uh, in, there's a little bit too much that's unexplained, such as the nature of these classified documents, what he was planning on doing with them. It just doesn't seem like something that should negate you from running from office. But just to showcase how dumb Donald Trump is, let's give this a listen. Is there a process? What was your process to declassify? It doesn't have to be a process, as I understand it. You know, there's different people say different right. things. But as I understand, there doesn't have to be. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it, because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. And 
There doesn't have to be a process. There can be a process, but there doesn't have to be. You're the president. You make that decision. Sounds to me like the guy gone fucked up. Hey, let's let's remember, I also I won this election, okay? This whole thing. I don't even know why we're having this conversation. I'm I'm actually the president. I totally won. I proved that I won, okay? I have to burp. No one's ever done a better job of proving that they won. And also, okay, I declassified. You know why I declassified? I thought it. I thought it. When I was in the bathroom and I was flushing documents, I thought, okay, these other documents, I'm going to keep their mind now, okay? So I took them. I took them to my house. Yeah, anyone, they want to come see them. They can come visit the documents, but they're mine. I declassified them. It's interesting. It's interesting if having sent them to his house... It shows that he was indicating that it was supposed to be declassified. And then is there supposed to be a formal process? It's going to sound to me like he never declassified these documents. And then he'll play, oh, I thought I did. Like the kid, oh, I thought I did the homework. I thought I did the assignment. All right, moving on. Uh, U.S. appeals court says Trump criminal probe can resume classified records review. This is now from Politico. Oh, no, the week. The appellate court shot down Cannon's various justifications for blocking the Justice Department from using the classified documents, including that Trump, as a former president, was entitled to special treatment and that the government was wrong about the national security threat from her ruling. It is self-evident that the public has a strong interest in ensuring that the storage of the classified records did not result in exceptionally grave damage to the national security, the judges wrote, and asserting that the necessar- necessarily involves uh, reviewing the documents, determining who had access to them and when, and deciding if any sources or methods are compromised. The lower court abused its discretion in exercising jurisdiction over the classified documents, the panel said. The ruling amounts to a real judicial bench slap, litigation disaster tour guide Akiva Cohen assessed. The Justice Department can appeal the rest of Cannon's ruling, but this decision means everything that happens in front of Cannon from here on out is irrelevant because the DOJ can use the documents in the meantime, and no one really cares about the special master's review of anything but the classified documents. Uh, So... It just seems like such an odd turn of events where you had the last judge saying, hey, we don't just believe the prosecutor here. And so we're going to put a special master in the special master rules in favor of the Justice Department, essentially, and says, well, I need to know whether or not these were actually declassified and you would have to have evidence of that. And then a new court steps in and overrules the previous judge who says we don't we, we shouldn't just be taking the Justice Department's word for it with the new ruling that says, yes, we do just listen to the prosecutor. Let's read this from Politico, and then we're going to move on to the next topic. Trump has not even attempted to show that he has a need to know the information contained in the classified documents the panel ruled in a 29-page decision, nor has he established that the current administration has waived the requirement for these documents. Once again, this is just sounds like bullshit. Like, th- there's no specifics here. There's no dangers listed. It's just, hey, we're listening to the prosecutors. Two of the three judges on the panel, Andrew Basher and Brooke Rant, were appointed to the court by Trump. The third, Robin Rosenbaum, was appointed by President Barack Obama. In the unanimous decision, the judge declared it self-evident that the public interest favored allowing the Justice Department to determine whether any of the records were improperly disclosed, risking national security damage. For our part, we cannot... All right, that's enough of this. Um, now, let's uh, let's play all sorts of random short videos with uh that i've collected over the last couple days each one of these is pretty phenomenal did the white house ever try to get in touch with governor DeSantis or 
Governor Abbott about this to try to reach some type of understanding or a solution? I mean, there's no understanding to be reached. They are using people who are leaving a commun communist countries as political stunt. Instead of instead of maybe what they should do is call on their senators in their in their state, uh, uh, call on you know Senator Marco Rubio, ask Senator Rick Scott why is it that they did not vote for historic funding uh, when it comes to Department of Home. Isn't this one of the things that just makes them so annoying? This is exactly why we have a war in Ukraine right now, right? They just said where uh, Biden goes. Listen, there's uh, we will refuse to say that we won't make Ukraine NATO. And uh, anything that uh, that Putin does to react to this is his escalation. And no, we refuse to negotiate. This is the exact same thing. We refuse to even have a conversation about whether or not there's an underlying problem. We refuse to sit down at the table and work with these governors and see if we can come up with a solution. We refuse to even acknowledge their position in any capacity whatsoever because what they did was unacceptable. Okay, good luck coming to some sort of a conclusion. I mean, if you're just going to completely shame the other side and not acknowledge them in any capacity, then uh, great. I mean, how, how, how are you going to find a solution? And then you pretend like the other party's at fault. I refuse to sit down with that person because he's so disgusting, I won't even get a phone call with him. And the fact that we can't fix this problem is because of him and his disgustingness. All right, good luck coming to a solution. Good luck actually finding some answers and sorting this out. All right, next video. What do we got next? I don't even know the orders on this thing. Here we go. Let's find out. Hate never fully goes away. And when given any oxygen, it comes out from under the rocks. In the last few years, we've been given much too much oxygen in our politics, in our media, and on the Internet. Too much hate, all for power and profit. Too much hate that's fueled extremist violence that's been allowed to fester and grow. You know, as a result, our very own intelligence agencies, our own intelligence agencies in the United States of America, have determined that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat to our homeland today. Enough. Let's not forget that Joe Biden is the greatest president that's ever existed in United States history because there's this imminent threat of this domestic terrorism that we don't even see. And it's only because of his efforts. Forget the border, forget the inflation, he's preoccupied with this other activity, and he's winning that fight. And so, really, he's the most successful president that ever existed. And this is what he's doing when he goes to, I believe this, uh, yeah, this is at the United Nations. Of all the things that we have to address in this country, he's most concerned with people like me having freedom of speech and being able to share their opinions. I mean, th this is, th th we are the enemy. And... Uh, there's some other people out there that I guess he's already dealt with, and so we don't even see the problem. That's why when we walk the streets every day and we're looking at issues such as pricing and we see pictures from the border and we're seeing the issues over there, these are, these are secondary to the thing that he really has to work on. And since you and I don't see this on a daily basis, you can only imagine how successful he actually is with it. This one is a video from a college of uh, a guy's giving a lecture and a kid loses it. A kid does not like this lecture. He doesn't like that Kamala Harris videos are being played. 
uh, which is the new form of censorship where you're not even allowed to uh, showcase what somebody, you know what, I'm actually going to skip this one. We're going to, no, no, I might as well play it. It's already here, but I, I, I thought I had jokes on it and now my jokes aren't here. All right, I'll just play it. I just love the concept of a thug progressive where he's like, don't you fucking dare make fun of the fucking gays. There's something very uh, cartoonish about the character who goes, you can't be fucking sharing your opinion about COVID online. People like there's just something cartoonish. I feel like I would see that in a movie. The uh, thug uh, uh, gender studies major Who's like, yo, bro, you better fucking respect women. It's, uh, something seems a little bit backwards about that. But, you know, I guess it's good that everyone's, uh, getting the college experience and that you get to meet some such diverse characters. Maybe it's that the violence of organizations like Antifa have started to bring people like this in. We're like, oh shit, there's a place that I get to be violent. Like this is, this is cool. People are, people are being celebrated for their violence. Maybe I'll go fit in over there. Here we've got another video from the UN because, uh, remember, there's no issues with food. There's no issue with, uh, you know, possible world wars being fought. There's no issue with the border. Uh, and really, you shouldn't even pay attention to that inflation issue because the real issue is just how much energy we're all consuming. Uh, so let's give Biden, let's, let's, uh, let's give this a listen. And none too soon, we don't have much time. We all know we're already living in a climate crisis. No one seems to doubt it after this past year. We meet, we meet, much of past we meet, much of Pakistan is still underwater, needs help. Meanwhile, the Horn of Africa faces unprecedented drought. Families are facing impossible choices, choosing which child to feed and wondering whether they'll survive. This is the human cost of climate change, and it's growing, not lessening. There you go. The most urgent threat out there, it's a white nationalist, potential terrorist that could turn violent at some future point in time. And uh, we've got to cool the world's economies. We can't be spending money. We can't be running energy. We can't be growing. We can't be coming up with innovations. That's all the wrong approach. At this point, the world, it's very clear that the catastrophes of weather that seem to have been existing for our entire lifetimes, I don't think knew the fact that freakish weather occurs, or go back to the episode we just did on Part of the Problem. Davy Smith brought that chart showcasing how technology is helping us survive the environment. That for They, they show these little freak occurrences that, yes, are tragic, but technology is how we survive these freak weather occurrences. And if you look at the chart of how many people are dying because of weather-related incidents on a yearly basis, it's gone way down because of technology and the energy that we're using. But instead, we don't, we're not about the science. We're not about the science of surviving on Earth. Instead, we're going to pretend 
then unless we stop using electricity immediately, we're, we're gonna we're 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 gonna die. Which isn't true. We'll do a better job of surviving on the planet. But that's what they the, the this is. I mean, the extent of just boldface being lied to from the powers that be, and I'm gonna get my channel pulled. This is probably the end of the YouTube channel, everybody. Because think about the think about the world we live in, where the president of the United States of America gets to get up and basically advocate for more death on earth he gets to advocate for let's use less electricity which would directly correlate to less ability to actually being able to survive freak weather which is the exact risk that he's suggesting that because we're, we're at risk for the planet the planet we've got to survive on it the best tool that we got is energy and for some reason the powers that be are coming out as anti-energy that's what they're getting together at the UN for. Look at all these seats of people that get to pretend like they're getting together to figure out how to better humanity. And uh, what they're doing is applauding Biden for his efforts of censorship, of removing opinions of people like me because of the dangers that we pose in terms of even just questioning the narrative. Let's say I was 100% completely wrong, even though my track record is pretty good. And I do tend to actually research these issues. But let's just say I was a thousand percent, a thousand percent wrong on everything I present on this show. Wouldn't there still be some value to the critical reasoning in the questions that I'm asking? Isn't it? Wouldn't there be some value in taking on the government, taking on the arguments and going, yes, I guess these are questions that we should and do need to answer. Wouldn't the not wanting people to be able to pose questions like this showcase the fact that you don't have good answers and like why would i be getting censored from youtube 250 people listen to my comments about corona and that's so dangerous to the powers it be that it needs to be removed what could i have possibly said in regards to covid at this juncture in time when the president has declared it non-emergency that my content cannot exist on youtube what could i have possibly have said that is so detrimental to uh to what words could i have put told someone the 200 people listening that the algorithm needs to shut it down and at the same time this look at that does it not look like the stage when you watch a fucking movie and there's a villain at the front of the room and the elite are applauding incredible all right more videos what else i got And speaking, here we got we got we got Fauci, himself, and uh, Fauci's going to let us know what he what he wants to do in retirement. When you have a divisiveness in society, where every time you say something, you have X number of people with social media immediately looking to attack it, that adds to the understandable confusion when you're dealing with an evolving outbreak. So what you were saying, specific to your question, of course, when you make recommendations, if the primary goal when you're dealing with a situation where the hospitals were being overrun in New York, intensive care units were being put in hallways, you have to do something. From an alternative perspective, where humanity is actually interested in truth. Wouldn't there be nothing greater than social media? Where you could be the head scientist in the United States of America and go, hey guys, here's the information that the government has collected. 
here's how we're understanding this information. And then you can put it out to everybody and then the hive mind can work on it and you can find out whether or not you're wrong. I mean, if you were actually interested in truth, that's kind of like, uh, even though, I, I mean, I'm not this person, but that's kind of like the way they do the hackathons, I believe, where basically they go, we think our security is so good, nobody can get into this, so let's try it. I mean, imagine if, like, you actually had the um, capacity to reach the entire market and get real-time feedback on, on, on whatever you're working on. And in this case, it betters everybody. It's not like, like, imagine if Elon Musk put up his rocket and he goes, here's my designs if you're an engineer and you can give me feedback. Now, he might not want to do that because someone would steal his rocket designs. But I guess if it's a health recommendation, right, we're not concerned with somebody stealing the research the United States government has in terms of the death rates and this, that, the other thing. If anything, you could be making that all public information and then every professor, every single person a brilliant intellect who actually wants to sit down and make a positive contribution to humanity could then look over that information and then they can go comment on it. And even if the information's good, it might be helpful to hear the critiques of other individuals. It might even have been helpful to have some people go, hey, let's take a secondary look at the recommendation for boosters for this specific reason. And then for the CDC to actually, but here's the thing, they're not interested in truth, they're interested in sales. And so when they're interested in sales, they don't want their opinion to be creaked because they're not interested in truth. That's not what they're going for. And so that's why you got people like him talking about, we can't just put this up to the market. We can't win people over with superior arguments. We can't let other professors that are not under our payroll uh, critique this information. And, and the way he sells it, as if like the market being able to have access to the information and then ask its questions and have free opinions it is somehow harmful to a good society all right let's continue bombshells here bombshells i've collected next video you have all committed as you all know uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activities to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. do you know uh, what the international energy energy um, agency has said is required to meet our goal global 2050 net Zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius. So no new fossil fuel production starting today. That's so that's like zero. So I would like to ask all of you and go down the list because again, you all have agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. Good. Good for J.P. Diamond. I mean, how often are you going to, you know, be like, yay, J.P. Morgan. <laughs> but here you got some fucking idiot, Rashida Tlaib, literally advocating for death, looking at the pricing, looking at all the issues that we deal with as a country and going as the banks of the United States of America, which are really just, you know, you know, essentially the Federal Reserve. I mean, let's be honest. There's no there's no real break between these banks and, and government policy. But she's going, are you going to institute government policy that we cannot invest any single money into oil? Well, of course not. That would be really, really stupid. And to think that this lady, she really thinks that she's right. She really thinks that we're going to die at the hands of the planet tomorrow if we don't go full windmill and green energy, which does not have the resources that we need to actually survive on the planet. These people are getting the story so incredibly wrong, and they're so bold-faced about it. All right.
moving forward, I think I only got one or two more. Uh, that's the end of the videos. Here we go. I thought that this was amusing. Going back to the beginning of this, where I showcased the video, the new Space Force theme song, and showing you government incompetence at its best of these people claim that they're the best in the world, that they can get things done. And does anything just showcase the fact that like there's really just nothing that they can execute on? Hollywood comes up with great songs all the time. They just need one song and they fucking suck at it. Well, here is uh, the Fed. We've got Jerome Powell. He's raising up all these interest rates. They're doing everything they can to calm inflation. And uh, this comment, I think, says it all. No one knows whether this process will lead to a recession, or if so, how significant that recession will be. Right, well then, it's a really good thing that we spend all the resources that we have to have you. Isn't your entire pitch that as long as your institution exists to regulate the markets, you're going to be able to smooth out the ups and downs that you guys... I mean, that's your pitch. My pitch is you guys are causing these up-downs. There's nothing that you guys can possibly do other than cause more up-downs. But then you guys go and no, it's a natural course in the market that you're going to have these hills and valleys, but we can step in and smooth out the hills and valleys. And then the second we start heading for valleys, which is the exact thing that you're supposed to be able to prevent, you just openly say, no one knows whether this process will lead to a recession, or if so, how significant that recession will be. You might as well be saying, we we should close the Fed. We have no, I mean, firstly, when you were trying to cause inflation, you weren't even able to do that. You're trying to hit your 2% target and you're like, we can't hit our 2% target. And then you go, all right, listen, we might not be able to hit our 2% targets. What we're going to do is we're going to change our policy that even if you have a whole lot of inflation in one year, it will count towards the earlier years where we didn't hit our inflationary targets. Then all of a sudden the inflation shows up that you guys have been advocating for. You've literally been pushing for inflation. You're trying to hit the 2% target. You can't hit your 2% target. Then you get a whole bunch of inflation all at once and you go all right now we really got to cool the economy because this inflation is the worst part even if we cause a recession and by the way we don't even really know how well you didn't know how to cause the inflation when you were looking for the inflation now you don't know how to cool the inflation you're openly saying that the efforts that you're taking might cause a recession and you don't even know how bad it is but listen I, I, we're, we're, we're going to try and do a soft landing. The thing's crashing, but we're going to try and get everybody parachutes. At what point are you just saying, hey, nobody is capable of doing this job, so this position just shouldn't exist because we could leave it to the free market? All right, now I want to criticize some kid. Yankees fan who caught Aaron Judge's 60th home run ball gives it back to the team. Don't be an idiot. If you're out there and you catch a ball you just want a lottery ticket. Don't go hand it to some rich guy. Now, I understand that Aaron Judge is having a great moment and he just hit a 60th home run. And that's really awesome. That's so cool to be an individual playing for the New York Yankees, a great franchise. I used to go to games in high school all the time. I love the Yankees. I love it when someone reaches the top of their sport. I love being entertained. But this guy's living a really fucking good life. He's about to get a $500 million contract. If he wants that ball, he can afford it. Make him pay for it. You need some Jewish friends in your life. You, you don't need a, don't have such low self-esteem where you're just like, I just want Aaron Judge to like me, and I just want to be a good guy. The guy can afford to buy the ball. Or if you're Aaron Judge, isn't it kind of cool that you just made some fan's life, that your ball is going to sit on someone's shelf and that they'll have that story for their entire life, and that at any juncture in time... You could, like if, if you're Aaron Judge, you should just be writing the guy a check anyways and going, hey, I appreciate that you gave this to me, but I want you to walk away with something too. This was very nice of you to return this to me. Shame on this kid. 
Go get some fucking money. Call Aaron Judge back up and go, or like, hey, you at least have to have me out for to dinner in one of your orgies. I mean, it just, uh, like, you, you just want, someone just handed you a lottery ticket, and then you just handed it to some really wealthy privileged guy. Uh, all right, I believe this is the, uh, the last story of the day, because I was too lazy to incorporate the last one, which was about how the world's running out of food. We'll cover that tomorrow. But before I plug this last story, everybody, uh, I request, share the show, rate, review, subscribe. If you've been a long-time listener to the show, go ahead, give it the five-star reviews, write me a nice note, and uh, support the sponsors. You'll create them. Uh, they've been with us for an entire year. Ez has sheath underwear. Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. Ez has Yo Delta. Use promo code RYM. You can also get yourself 20% off. If you're a pot smoker over the age of 21, just stock up on some Yo Deltas. The gummies, they're as good as anything that you're taking when you really want to get to that place of, oh my God, I have to sit on my couch and I am messed up. And those vape pens, uh, if you like a nice smoother ride, that's a little bit more of what I would call a uh, functional high and, isn't, and you don't have to smell like the weed, go stock up. Company supported us for an entire year. And, uh, you know, the algorithms and the, and the sensors are not making it easy. Same with sheath underwear. Been here for an entire year. Go stock up. Every single person in the audience that I've met that's wearing sheath has told me that they either are doing laundry more often because they love this underwear or that they had to go throw out their entire drawer of other bullshit underwear and upgrade. Um, all right. So that's it. Oh, before also before the last story, I have an unbelievable comedy show coming up in Maryland. Uh, it's at Fifth Street Brewing Company. It is a fan of the show who has built this brewery, easy drinking West Coast ales and lagers. Uh, I'm excited to hang out with the guy and try his beers. And also, it is an incredible lineup of comedians. Uh, it's myself, Menu and Heart, BK Chris, and Justin Silver. Uh, that's a hell of an evening. I mean, any one of us uh, headline our own shows. This is all four of us on one show, uh, bringing our best stuff. That is going to be a fun night. I've heard from a few amount, a fair amount of Meekhawks that they're going to be coming out and hanging out. Uh, so, if you live in the area, I suggest uh, hop in your car. Uh, it's right off, uh, it's right like right off I-95, kind of close to Baltimore, in between Baltimore and Philly. I promise that you will have a good time. All right, last story of the day. Fauci says he wants to inspire younger generations of scientists and would-be scientists upon retirement. And uh, this should be an easy pitch for him because all you, you can make a lot of money. You don't even have to be right. You don't have to know anything. You don't even have to be that good at the science. You, you go, you get yourself a government job at the NIH, and you get paid very, and sometimes you can weasel your way into contracts. You can you can get yourself down as a, as a creator of a thing, and then you, you get checks for your entire life. It's not like other organizations where every day you got to work hard in order to get paid. We're talking, you get yourself on one pad and on something that you approve, you can get paid for your entire life. By the way, with all the uh, with all the talk that Rand Paul was going after the NIH for, can you tell us who's getting kickbacks from these companies? I just found, because I was trying to do a little bit of research on this, uh, because there was this insane clip of Glenn Beck on Tucker Carlson that came across my YouTube feed, but I wasn't able to find more on it, so I thought I wasn't going to cover it, but then my ADD brain, right now, I'm like, all right, now we're talking about it. Maybe I'll even track down the clip, but he was talking about... Um, Man, I watched like three days ago, but it was essentially, I'll just be a little bit looser here so I don't miss misspeak, but just the, uh, 
the shady relationship between the NIH and these companies and also the timing at which um, I guess they were patenting the vaccines. But the NIH was actually fighting with um, Moderna that they that the scientists at the NIH are supposed to be considered co-creators on the actual vaccine. So while we've been watching Fauci, uh, and that, that was from a Reuters article, while we've been watching Fauci going, hey, we don't have to disclose the relationship between the NIH and these companies and who's getting kickbacks, uh, they were actively fighting that some of their scientists should be considered co-creators on the very vaccines that the organization approved. Uh, and hopefully down the line, we're going to and it probably won't take 10 years. They'll actually give us the full story of what went on here. Uh, and then hopefully YouTube, they'll just cut me a check straight up. They'll cut me a check and they'll go, we're sorry that, you know, we didn't allow your content on the platform while you were incredibly right about some of the most important and pressing issues facing humanity at that juncture in time. And so to sponsor your future efforts, we'd like to invite you back to our platform with more funding so that, 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 that that's what you got to put your hopes and dreams out there. A, a nice letter, a fancy plaque, an apology, maybe that fruit platter that I've been demanding from Optimum for a while, and um, a refund from Delta for uh, for some flights that didn't actually take off when they were supposed to take off. Uh, but other than that, you know, we did it. That was an hour and four. That was I, I just brought you guys a lot of information, and uh, that's it. We did it. We'll take a couple comments and uh, we'll call it a day. Uh, SL, did you hear about the ND team that was run down? The killer said the team he chased down and run over was part of a radical Republican group. I saw the headline. I did not get a chance to read it. Off or not, I'm going to get us all fucking nuked. Kelly Kalisa, so many good points. Thanks for the briefing. Robbie the Fire. All right, that is our episode. Thank you for hanging out. We'll be back probably Saturday. Maybe next episode Saturday. Maybe Sunday. We'll see what's cooking. All right, have a great day, everybody.